Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello, baby. Welcome in Tuesday and a Wednesday edition of New York, New York midweek. New York, New York. We're yours truly, JJ Jonjustremski. As there are a couple of things that I'm dying to get off my chest right out of the gate. Uh, a little smorgasbord, a little uh, variety pack for you as you have a midweek pod going into Championship Sunday. Let's start with Knicks Nets. Can, can we acknowledge the Nets stink? I mean, we don't do a whole lot of Nets, and I know the five Net fans who are out there listening are not going to be happy with me for saying this. But listen, we understand the dynamics in town. We understand what flows and what doesn't. Sorry, I don't need the lecture. You don't need the lecture. I get it. But here's the bottom line. The Nets go and, and yuck up an insane fourth quarter the other day against the Clippers to the point where the Knicks are not playing great for three quarters. The Knicks are down in this game. Mikel Bridges, who is by far and away the Nets' best player, is lighting the Knicks up in the third quarter. And I'm like, if the Knicks could just somehow, way early in the fourth quarter, keep this game competitive, keep this game afloat, the Nets are going to find a way to screw it up. And that's been their bugaboo and their MO all year. They don't know how to close games. They've been beyond inept in their last two as far as trying to close them. And the Knicks continue to master the art 
master the art of beating teams under the 500 mark. The Knicks have not lost to a team under 500 all season. I hope I'm not getting 2023 Miami Dolphins vibes when it comes to this basketball team. Yeah, I had to go there. Yeah, I had to bring it up. But over the course of a regular season, to me, it's incredibly commendable. Now, eventually, you would figure the Knicks are going to go and, and slip up against one of these sub-500 teams. It's bound to happen over the course of an 82-game season. But it speaks to the work ethic, the toughness, and how well-coached this team is as far as getting after it, as far as bringing it night after night after night. This is a game, let's be honest, I know they're playing the Nets. You want to tell me, oh, cross-town rivalry, the whole deal, nationally televised game. They're down nine points in the fourth quarter. I've seen a lot of teams in that spot say it's not a night. Bench comes in, boom, all of a sudden you're down 15, 16 points. Starters never come back in. Starters maybe make a cameo. And it's over and it's done with. Not with this Nick group. The bench kept them in it. You got good minutes from McBride. You got great minutes, I thought, from Precious Achua, who's going to have to play a little bit more with the Hortenstein injury. Nick's team another big. That's a story for a different day. But Achua, I thought, was very active on the boards and giving the Knicks second and third opportunities. And they kept the game close. And Jalen Brunson doesn't let you lose. It's another game in which he goes and scores 30 points. The sequence that basically defined this game, and I don't know if you guys and gals felt this way watching it. I sure did. The Knicks got every loose ball. The Knicks wanted it that bad, even on a night when it was not going particularly well for them. And that sequence in which they get the block, boom, they get the deflection, and then you have the two-on-one break with Brunson and Randall, and Randall slams at home, and Madison Square Garden, Brooklyn, basically goes nuts in unison. That kind of sums up how things are going from a Knicks standpoint. And I wanted to bring this up. I was talking about it with Stefan right before we started our proceedings. OG on an OB's plus minus. Has anybody, and sometimes plus minus in the NBA can be a little bit of an overrated statistic. A little bit. And sometimes it could be a little bit misleading. I don't think it is in this case. Ananobi, in every game he has played in a Nick uniform, every single game he's played in a Nick uniform, he's got a positive plus minus. The guy just brings and oozes so much winning out of him, it's not even funny. Guy's a winning player. And he has been such a perfect complement to this team. Yes, they need some pieces off the bench. Yes, we're going to talk a lot about that between now and the NBA trade deadline. We all know it. But guys who ooze those sort of winning intangibles out of them, they're guys you want as a part of the fabric. That's Brunson. That's Ananobi. And listen, Randall still drives you nuts. That sequence uh, with about a minute and a half left when he's basically doing tilt the whirls and the spins, it drives you insane. But how can you argue the performance? You can't. Julius Randall's going to be on the all-star team for the third time in four years in a Nick uniform. So, from that standpoint, it's tough to argue. Knicks have a team that's, I think, well on their way to winning close to 50 games. And I feel really good about that over I placed at the beginning of the year. Now, the Eastern Conference, it's tough. Yeah, Joel Embiid go for 70-plus points. Caroline Jastrzemski on hand to see that one. Miami, 
just made the move that I think is going to help them dramatically from an offensive standpoint. They know what they're doing with this stuff. Doesn't Terry Rozier fit the heat like a glove? Doesn't he just look like a guy that's going to be an absolute pain in the ass for whoever Miami plays in the playoffs? Like, I, I, I can see it now. Like, my worst nightmare for the Knicks is that they end up in the 4-5 and I got to see Miami again. Like, uh, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. How can it not? But then you have Milwaukee, even with their record. But if you look at the Bucs and, and you know what's going on with them defensively, you knew, hey, something's not right here. They fired their coach in shades of David Blatt in Cleveland. Instead of getting the assistant off the bench, it's going to be the consultant who's doing games on ESPN as of five days ago with Doc Rivers. Who's doing podcasts with Simmons? I, I guess those podcasts are going to be put on hold. Uh, can we get Van Gundy and Jackson back uh, for the playoffs, ESPN? Can we Can we ride along? We know you got money coming in left and right from the Monday Night Football deal. Don't cry poverty to me when it comes to Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Get their asses back doing the games. Please. Could use it come playoff time. I mean, what is ABC going to do with that finals booth? I love Doris. Who are you pulling with Doris? Don't tell me J.J. Redick. I do not need J.J. Redick basically talking down to me for three and a half, four quarters of how much more basketball he knows because he went to Duke. I don't give a rat's ass that he's my neighbor. I really don't care. I do not want him on the number one chair doing the games. I don't. So that, that that's a little food for thought. ESPN, ABC may have to go uh, beg Van Gundy to get his job back. He might tell him to kick rocks. I would tell him to kick rocks too. But from a fan's perspective, I want him doing the games. That's a problem. Big, big problem for ESPN. Because Doc's good. Doc doing the games was not Van Gundy and Jackson, but you know he has done it basically forever. But another subplot there. So we'll see if Milwaukee looks different now post-Doc Rivers hiring and what kind of difference he can make coming into this situation to jumpstart their defense. But all's good in Nickland. I can't wait for these next couple of games, though. Nuggets, Thursday night. Jokic coming to town. We'll have an SGP for that on FanDuel. You want to check that out. And then on Saturday, as I am basically sitting on the couch all day watching college basketball, I have afternoon Nick basketball as they're taking on the Miami Heat. So... The basketball season really starting to kick in full swing, uh, knowing you only have three football games left, knowing you're still a ways away from the start of the baseball season. Uh, we'll see how the Knicks make their move between now and the NBA trade deadline. And going up in weight class, no question about it, with the two opponents that will be coming to Madison Square Garden. Uh, Hall of Fame. We're at the point now with the Hall of Fame, at least for me, where the announcements have kind of become eh. I know big time players were not on the ballot. Bonds, Clements. We have to start there. Like, I don't want to talk about steroids. I'm so over the steroid discussion, but I'm supposed to get excited about who's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame when Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are not there? I'm not. As far as the guys who got in, look, I know some people. My good buddy Joe Benigo, who'll join us on Thursday, and I'll be with him for his live pod on Friday uh, out in Hackensack. 
he's texting me going nuts about these guys getting into the Hall of Fame. I disagree with him. Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer. 3,000 hits, 400 home runs, all the gold gloves. Fantastic career. Joe Maurer, MVP, couple of batting titles as a catcher, is a Hall of Famer. It was a short-lived type of prime. I know people are going to make the Don Mattingly comparison immediately, and I get it. Mattingly, from an offensive standpoint, has numbers that were just as good, if not better than Maurer, over those five or six years, but he didn't play behind a plate. And guys who were going to catch and put up those sort of numbers, they're going to hold more weight. So I didn't look at Bauer, uh, Joe Maurer as necessarily a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I would have voted for him. If I had a vote, I would have had no problem voting for Joe Maurer for the Hall of Fame. Todd Helton, you can't penalize the guy for where he played his baseball. Todd Helton has a career 316 batting average. With years in which he's hitting north of 30 to 40 home runs. Did it for a long period of time over a consistent period with the Colorado Rockies. I don't give a rat's ass that he played at Coors Field. The numbers are there. Performance is there. I have no problem with Todd Helton getting in the Hall of Fame. Now, from a number standpoint, does Gary Sheffield have a case? Yes, he does. 1,000% he does. But he's also another one of these guys that is linked to the steroid conversation. So, to me, if we're talking about Gary Sheffield getting in, then what about Bonds and what about Clemens? And, and, and this is the problem. You have this sort of, hey, we're going to pick and choose what steroid guys deserve consideration and what steroid guys do not. I think it's silly. And it really has destroyed my good feelings that I used to have about induction day. I'm sorry. Now, maybe we'll get past that once these guys are either officially yay or nay, and we'll look at the modern era, and we'll look at guys who are coming up, and we're going to have that in the not-too-distant future. Sabathia, uh, when Verlander's on the ballot, he's going to get in. Uh, on and on we go. But it plays a role in, like, <sighs> my indifference. It really does. And... I think Billy Wagner is going to get in next year. I think he's three or four votes off. We talked about this yesterday doing sports night. I don't understand how you could vote no for nine years on a player for a Hall of Fame consideration. And I know some ballots are more loaded than others. That is 1,000% accurate. There are some ballots where it's like, listen, there are four guys I know I'm voting for. And then they're the automatics. Whoever the automatics are given year, I don't know. Rivera, Jeter, um, Vladimir Guerrero, who, by the way, I can't believe he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's absurd to think about. But, you know, like when you're going through that process, you're like, yeah, these guys are in. But Billy Wagner is going to be on a ballot for nine years. And I'm even seeing this from like people like Heyman on Twitter. Oh, well, I don't want to be the guy that basically decides Billy Wagner is not getting in. Hold on a second. You didn't vote for him for nine years. Now, all of a sudden, in the 10th year, because of sympathy, that pushes you in a direction to go and vote for somebody for the Hall of Fame? That is lunacy. <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense. Zero sense. You either think Wagner is worthy of the honor, or you don't. But this is where the process just becomes a an absolute mess. 
on so many different fronts. So now all of a sudden, Billy Wagner will get into the Hall of Fame. So that's just the way it goes. It's annoying. It's lame. I hate the way it's been all shook out with the steroid guys. But that's the reality of the Hall of Fame in 2024. And way too many guys are getting in. Way, way too many guys are getting in. Not this year necessarily, but in general, that has become a trend. I am looking forward to getting up there. I'm going to be up there for a bachelor party in June. And I have not been to Cooperstown. Oh, my goodness. Probably going all the way back to 2004. Yeah, it was pre-Yankee Red Sox uh, choke. And I went up there that summer. So I'll probably have a good scouting report for you guys when I'm in Cooperstown doing my thing over those couple of days. A couple golf rounds, a couple of brewery hits, a couple of days at the museum, and then take it from there. Not my bachelor party. You know me. We go big. Some like a little more low-key. I'm down with it. Listen, as a guy who's a married man now, I am A-OK with it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of indifference for your boy as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned. And a couple of guys whose candidacy I'm going to be all over over the next couple of years. C.C. Sabathia, which is a given. 3,000 strikeouts, 250 wins. I know the career ERA is a little high in the three sevens. I think it got inflated by the end of C.C.'s career a little bit. But in this era in which nobody goes deep into games and nobody pitches for an extended period anymore, Sabathia has that. He's won. He's getting my vote for the Hall of Fame. Imagine vote. The other guy I'm going to be pounding the drum for is Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez is a Hall of Fame. I know people are going to say, oh, the wins aren't there. For seven, eight years, this guy's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Won a Cy Young, finished second twice. Career ERA is like in the low threes. Felix Hernandez is a Hall of Famer. Like, ask yourself this question. And I know longevity played a role for Mike Messina, and I'm going to applaud that. Who is the better pitcher? Messina or King Felix? To me, it's not even close. King Felix is the better pitcher. Hands down, no doubt about it, the better pitcher. I test. And unfortunately, I think with the Hall of Fame, a lot of this gets lost in the shuffle. And my final thought on this, we know it's watered down. We know the process is frustrating. There are a lot of cases of guys who have been left off the ballot. Mattingly, I mean, the Mauer, Mattingly parallel, it's worthy of conversation. The Albert Bell, conversation. Look at Albert Bell's numbers. And I know he was a jerk and I know it was tough to take. Look at his numbers over a seven-year period. One of the most dominant feared hitters in the sport. These are guys to me that should be once again on the forefront of what we're talking about. We'll food for thought for our friends up at Cooperstown today. So I monitored, I followed, but it's just, it, it has definitely been a sense of frustration for me and many other baseball fans. Again, talking about and telling this story of baseball and not having Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame is just comedy to me. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. It's absolute comedy. But be that as it may, um, let's rip a call on this and we'll set the stage for what we have coming up with CJ Uzama, who, by the way, has been so good on giving us all sorts of fun insight on what's going on with these playoff games and whatnot. So uh, let's take one quick call on the Hall of Fame. Let's hear it, Steph. 
Hey JJ, this is Junior from uh, Queens, New York. My my thing is with the with the with the Hall of Fame, um, Gary Sheffield. I'm I'm disappointed that he didn't get elected um, in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think he he deserves it. He has stats. Um, you know he he proved himself a year year in and year out. So, um, what a shame with with Gary Sheffield. He was he was the bomb with the Yankees. Well, not the bomb, but you know he was great for them. Uh, so I'm disappointed about that. And then. Another thing I want to point out with um, the Hall of Fame and the players that played in the Rockies, what's the whole point of having a team in the you know in Colorado? I think they're yeah the Colorado Rockies, right? Um, you're gonna play for your whole career, and then they're gonna hold that against you when they chose to put the team there. That's 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 really messed up. Look at Nolan Arenado. He did ten great years with the Rockies, right? And um, I bet they're going to use that against him, right? If, 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 he, can, if he continues playing great, uh, I think he's with the Cardinals now. So what's the point of having a team there if they're going to hold that against you um, when you, when you know when you're retired? So let me know. Let me know your thoughts on both of these issues. And uh, um, great, great hearing you, man. All right, take care. Well, I appreciate the call. Um, I agree with you on the Colorado take. You cannot penalize guys for their situation. That would be like looking at a left-handed hitter at Yankee Stadium and saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to penalize him because he had too many home runs taking advantage of the short porch. Hey, you play where you play. Right? You play at Fenway Park, you got a green monster. You play at Yankee Stadium, you got a short porch. Hey, you play in Colorado, you're dealing with high altitude. Todd Helton performed at an extremely high level. I know his team stunk. So a lot of people are going to say, oh, he put on meaningless stats, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. They, they still count. Look at his power. Look at the career batting average. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer that Todd Helton to me is a Hall of Famer. I've been saying this down for a while. I've been on this case. Pounding the table for Todd Helton. So I'm actually happy he got into the Hall of Fame. Um, I feel for Gary Sheffield. Gary's a likable guy. We chatted with him, uh, what was it, at the All-Star game last year. I think he's very good on TV. He's charismatic. Gary being linked to that Mitchell report, to me, is the reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And I know he's going to say, well, it was different. You know, you could play the Ortiz denial. Yeah, I know he's tried to. He's, he's on that list. His name was out with all the Balco stuff that came down. And again, I like Gary Sheffield. From a numbers standpoint, yeah, they're probably there. 500 home runs or whatnot. But Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are in. So would I have found it a little tough to take if Gary ended up getting in and Barry and Roger did not? Yeah, I do. Uh, the whole process is ridiculous. Listen, we all know these guys were in an era in which this stuff was running rampant. How are you telling the story of baseball in the 90s and the 2000s without those two guys? How are you doing it? Now, you want to tell me Ramirez and, and A-Rod are different because there were rules in place and they shattered those rules? That's, that's an argument. I could counter and say, listen, they're still two of the great all-time players of their generation, which they are. But that's why this stuff becomes so tedious and so lame. Uh, and look at what they're doing now with Beltran. It's a joke. They are sending Beltran a message, basically. Oh, because the Astros thing, we're going to make you wait a couple of years. But then ultimately, we're going to change our mind and put you in. Guys, Beltran a Hall of Famer or not? He is. He is. 
You know, Beningo brought up to me Bernie. And it's interesting because Bernie Williams is criminally underrated throughout his career. The power numbers, though, are not there compared to a guy like Beltran. Like, Beltran hit over 400 home runs for his career. I mean, Bernie, I think, finished in the high 270s, give or take. High 270s. So I, I think that's why he didn't get as much credence as far as the ballot is concerned. Didn't hit for enough power. But, man, you're never going to find me disparaging Bernie Williams' career with all the big hits he had for the New York Yankees. So that is never going to happen. Now, it's always good to get a different perspective on these playoff games. And that's why uh, I'm glad C.J. Uzama has been joining us throughout this playoff run. And we know what the Final Four is going to be. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Ravens. And, you know, now in the afterglow and the aftermath of what happened on Sunday, to me, a narrative that is getting totally blown out of proportion is this idea that the window is closing in Buffalo. Is Josh Allen still going to be there as quarterback? I don't believe in their head coach. I know they have cap problems. Josh Allen is really good. Really, really good. Athletically, arm strength, the total package. He will have more chances. The problem he's going to run into and the problem that all of these guys are running into in the AFC is that you got Thanos right now, and that's Mahomes. He's there every year. Every year of his career has been in the AFC title game. Every single year. So it's, he's inevitable. So for whoever it is to break through, it's that much more daunting a challenge. That's why, like, you may not have better situations than the one Lamar Jackson has coming up on Sunday. Lamar is going to be the MVP. He's got the better team. He's playing the game at home. Are you going to get Mahomes in this spot a lot more times over your tenure and your career. That's why the spot for Allen felt like a missed opportunity. Doesn't mean that the door and the window was closing. I don't I don't look at it that way. But you had a chance. And you never know how many you're going to get. You might get a bunch more. You might get one or two more. You might not get enough. Football's weird. But that other guy, number 15, Kansas City, he's going to keep being there. He's the best. Listen, I got no problem saying it. Tom Brady's the best I've ever seen. Number 15 in Kansas City is off to a much better start to his career. Much. And that's saying something. That's what Brady went at three out of four. Because remember, Brady wasn't putting up the big statistical years until about 2000. Five, six, they, 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 you saw, they lost all their receivers. Then boom, seven eye-popping statistics. Come back, it continues to put up monster numbers. Mahomes put up the monster numbers since he's coming to the league. It's been the AFC title game every single year. He's got two, and the only Super Bowl he lost, didn't have an offensive line. And got his ass whooped by Brady, which I'm not going to penalize him for. He's basically had one clunker of a playoff game. That Cincinnati game a few years ago in which our buddy C.J. Uzama and the Bengals ended up beating him on that particular day. That's the one I looked back on. I was like, wow, this is a real clunker for Mahomes. Tampa game, he just got his ass whooped. Can't be more simplistic than that. So that's kind of what is set up for us here on Championship Sunday from an AFC perspective. And in the NFC, 
Can the Lions do the unthinkable? The idea of the Detroit Lions a couple of years ago playing in the Super Bowl, it seems so far-fetched. It seemed so off the beaten path. They've drafted really well. Gibbs, I didn't love the move. You know my feeling on running back in the first round. It's helped dramatically. St. Brown, building that defense, building that offensive line, getting Laporta in the mid-rounds, and the career revitalization of Jared Goff it's been a thing of beauty to watch. I think they can go into this game loosey-goosey. I really do. I think all the pressure in the world is on the Niners. All of it. I know you want to tell me the Lions haven't been in the Super Bowl, that narrative's out there, but they already can leave that stadium no matter what happens with the head hold high. The Niners have to win this game. They have to get back. Make the argument they had their scare. Or do you look at them and say, they got outplayed by Green Bay? And if it wasn't for Green Bay screwing up a fourth and one, missing a field goal, loving a couple of picks in the fourth quarter, maybe we're talking about the Lions and the Packers Sunday at 640. Two pretty intriguing championship games. Very, very intriguing championship games. The NFL should be very, very thankful. And did you guys and gals see the amount of people that were watching these football games over the course of the weekend? I mean, I'm not surprised. Listen, here we watch football every single week. So this, this is no surprise to me and to, you know, the masses. But 50 million people, Chiefs Bills on Sunday night. Anybody want to argue what sport's king in this country? 50 million people. Crazy. That's That, that number, is that's, that's Super Bowl-esque. Super Bowl-esque for the divisional round. But it don't matter to me. You can put uh, you can put Texans and Raiders in my backyard. I'm still watching for four quarters. Of course. But that's why I love football. CJ Uzama breaking down these divisional round games. And uh, it's got a nice little report from what happened from the uh, Jet quarterback in Las Vegas. Hole-in-one? Uh, one a couple months after Achilles? Kidding me? Must be nice. All right, we're coming right back. We welcome back C.J. Uzama is now the NFL field is down to four. We got the Chiefs and the Ravens at three. We got the Niners and the Lions at 630. And buddy, as I welcome you in, you know, I do a Saturday, Sunday morning show on FanDuel TV. We break down all the games. We do all the wagers and whatnot. Buddy of mine, C.J., bet on all four tight ends to score in the divisional round. Hey, cash, man. Kelsey. Uh, you look up and down. Uh, somebody for the, I think it was Laporta. I don't even remember who it was. But four tight end score. I talk to you all the time, and I didn't make that bet, man. I dropped the ball on that, CJ. Yeah, that's tough. Um, you always, you always got to bet on a tight end to score. I mean, come on, like we're we we are, uh, we're a quarterback's best friend. That's what I say. Uh, no offense to the receivers, because the receivers will probably beg to differ on that one. But, um. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good bet. I, I like that. <laughs> now, obviously, you're biased. I understand. You play the position. You, you know what it takes to play the position and do it well. But I do think there's something to be said, CJ, for looking at these quarterbacks in the Final Four and thinking about how much each of them rely on their tight ends. And I know we're talking about great tight ends, right? Like Mark Andrews and likely in Baltimore are tremendous. Kelsey enough said. Uh, Taylor Swift notwithstanding, first ballot Hall of Famer. And then you look at Kittle, and then you look at Laporta. 
What is it about a tight end who's playing at a high level? What is it exactly that they do that makes life so much easier, like in the past game for a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, again, like this is the most biased <laughs> conversation we could probably I know, have, I'm teeing I, you up here. I understand that. Yeah, I get for sure. it. I just think, you know, I think for the most part, uh, a tight end is always the safety blanket, right? Like you you always say like, well, you, you got to know where the check down is, right? For a quarterback. So you got to know where the running back is. But I mean, in my opinion, I feel like you look at the tight end first to, to see where they are before, you know, ultimately checking it down to the running back, depending on, depending on the team. Um, and, and so once, once you have a, a, a connection and a safety blanket in that, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, nice. Maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe the tight end isn't, or the quarterback isn't thinking, oh, nice. Like maybe the tight end's my third read. Maybe I can go one to tight end on this one because I know the coverage. I know he's going to pick up some yards after the catch. And, and like you said and, and alluded to, these tight ends, they, they have a really good run-after-catch run uh, ability, and um, they're, they're racking up yak like it's their job. And, and you know, they're, they're, I mean, everyone's on for the end zone, but a tight end who, who has speed and who, who's physical, um, you know, that's, you know, in space, that's dangerous. So, yeah, I, I think they're just comfortable. Um, all, all the quarterbacks right now, I mean, obviously they're comfortable in, in and of itself in the offense, but um, with, with getting the tight end the ball and, and knowing that they're going to make a play. So I don't want to go all time, but like now when you're sitting at home watching playoff football, or maybe this is just something that's dawned on you over the last few years, maybe just being on the sideline and watching another offense go, who currently is like your favorite tight end to watch? Outside of you, of course. <laughs> um. I mean, outside of my guys, because I enjoy watching. Our yeah, guys. I was just yeah. saying, your guys in the jet room don't count. They're not allowed yeah. to count. Yeah, no, I, I, cause, yeah, cause huge bias with that. Um, no, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I, I like, it's tough watching games because I only look at tight ends. Um, so I have a respect for everybody. You know, I mean, obviously you look at Kittle and what he's been, been doing for, for years and, um, you have to respect that. I mean, run, run and pass game. He's, he loves it. Like, you can tell he loves it. Like the run game, he loves. He's like, oh, nice. Like, this is sick. I get to block somebody. He's a, he's a psycho. And you have to be a psycho to play tight end, in my opinion. But, um, you, you got to love that. And obviously, um, Kelsey, what he's, what he's, um, oh, by the way, I don't know if it's Kelsey or Kelsey anymore. Yeah, some I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm just getting ready for Jason's speech at the Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey wedding. That's going to be yeah, like the price yeah, of admission, yeah, man. <laughs> That'd be some yeah, speech. You, you, you see him in the past game and the way that he's able to find... So I think, to me, the, the most impressive part of his game is the connection that he has with Pat because, you know, he's running routes that I don't know if they're routes. I, I, I genuinely don't. I think he's... So he's freelancing, basically, in yeah, many ways. In, in, yeah, in essence, it is. It's like, oh, nice. Like, Pat knows I'm going to be here. He, he knows the drops. He knows it's if it's a three, a five, a seven, a three and a hitch, a five, you know, and a hitch or whatever it is. And he knows the timing of the play. And so... He's able just to sit in his own or to be able to, you know, if it's three step, he can beat man quicker and not have to run a full 10 yards or whatever the case is. So I think that connection that they have is unique. And yeah, you know, you, you see some of the young guys too balling out. And, you know, I think, uh, the, the Lions, right? Like you have Laporta and you also have Brock Wright, who, who's, who's a really good player and, and, and a really good, I mean, you saw some of the plays that they had. Everyone's eyeing Laporta or eyeing, you know, Amon Ra and, and, He's the one that that ends up breaking free on like a on a leak. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I I love watching the tight ends. I love I love um, seeing everyone succeed. And you know, there's there's a lot of good ones in the league right now. 
And how about the Lions getting maybe a future Hall of Famer in Ertz? And, and I know he hasn't been with the team, and it's this idea of, hey, like, we need a second tight end potentially this week. How tough is that? Like, I know he knows the tight end coach, so maybe his scheme's going to be similar and whatnot, CJ, but could you imagine, like, going to a team, you haven't played with them all year, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, NFC Championship game, we need you. Like, it's one thing, I, I don't know, if you're like a punter and you're just going out and punting, that, that's one thing, or kicking field goals. But, man, running routes, blocking, knowing everything that's going on, that seems super, super challenging. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's twofold. You know, I think um, outside of the quarterback, I think we're the smartest. I mean, again, very biased. Oh, very <laughs> um, biased, of course, but, yeah. But I think that we're, you know, I think we have to be. I think we have to be one of the smartest people on the team just because we have to know the blocking assignments. We have to know the passing assignments. We have to be able to key the defenses and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think picking up the playbook is going to be the toughest part, obviously, right? And, and I don't know if they're not going to – I would assume that they're not going to just throw the entire playbook at them. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, I think I think we're capable. I think we're a capable group to be able to pick up, you know, as much information as we need and, and be able to identify certain things. And, and you know, the verbiage is going to be different. But at the end of the day, it is it is football and, and teams run similar schemes. You hear similar things, you see similar concepts, and you just have to memorize words. And, um, you know, I think I think that's the, the, the key there is, is to be able to, differentiate certain words from other playbooks that you've had. Here we go again with the Chiefs. What else is new? Patrick Mahomes, every single year of his career, is playing in the AFC title game. More often than not, he's finding his way to the Super Bowl. There are going to be some, CJ, who have Chief fatigue. Some are just going to bow down to the greatness. You played the Chiefs early this year. Scored a touchdown in that game. Now watching these playoff games. What's the difference from the chief team that we saw early in the year or the chief team we saw on Christmas? They were a mess. They looked like a team that didn't have the mojo this year. Now the playoffs roll around and it's like, okay, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are up to their usual tricks. Have you noticed the difference? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it is, as long as you get into the playoffs, anything happens, right? I got, and, and I firmly believe that. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what seed you are. It doesn't matter what, how the year has progressed. Um, you know, I, I think once you're there, it's, you know, gloves are off and you can do whatever you want to. And, and as long as you have that mindset. And so, yeah, I think, you know, they're just, they're just finding their groove at the, at the right time in, in the playoffs. And that's a, you know, that's a, you know, that's a scary team once, once they, once they get their groove going. So, um, yeah, I think they're finding ways to win these games and, and, you know, that, that, uh, that we've been here before attitude and that mindset definitely probably plays a factor into it um definitely probably uh you know i I don't know yeah they're 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 doing what they've been doing for for a number of years and you know i think again their mindset is we're in the playoffs anything goes we're going to the super bowl and we're winning i don't know if you felt this way having a chance to watch any of the game It, it didn't matter to me the field goal like i understand tyler bass looks like the goat he misses a 44 yard field goal the way the Chiefs were moving, CJ, they're scoring. There, there was not a doubt in my mind. Like, once Buffalo gave the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, field goal make or field goal miss, I'm not betting against that guy in that spot. Like, do you almost, like, if you're an offense going up against Mahomes, I almost feel like at the end of that game, I got to be like, hey, we got to score and make sure he has no time left to go and work his magic. Because if we give him time, hey, at 13 seconds a couple of years ago and got a, a field goal out of it. So, like, it's 
they needed to score right then and there and make sure it didn't come down to a field goal, at least the way I saw it. Yeah, I, I mean, I look, I, I agree. I think there's a couple of quarterbacks in the league um, that that you don't want any of the time. You don't want any seconds on the clock. Um, um, you know, you it's just it's tough, right? Like, I think Pat Pat's one of them. I think Joe's one of them. I think Aaron's one of them. Like, once they have the ball, it doesn't matter how much time is left, anything goes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you know the way the game was trending, it was. It was like, uh, they get the ball back, they're scoring. Like it's, it's, it's not a matter of, of if they're going to, it's, it's how much time are they going to leave back on the clock? Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough situation, obviously. And everyone's going to point fingers and everyone's going to blame one person just because that's what everyone does every time someone loses a game. But, um, yeah, it's a team effort, right? Like it, that's, that's the beauty, beautiful thing about the game. And yeah, like you just said, again, like the way the game was trending, the ball and, and, the Chiefs' hands, the way that they were, you know, the, the way the game was going, I, I really find it hard to believe that they weren't going to score. And the Bills got every break imaginable, too. I mean, Hardman fumbling at the one, Allen recovering the fumble on what should have been, you know, the Chiefs are trying to scoop and score. It's like, dude, fall on the ball. The game is over. You get these breaks and you still can't beat the Chiefs. Mahomes is inevitable. Now, he wasn't inevitable when you played him a couple of years ago with Burrow and won a stunning AFC title game. And, you know, you look at it now, CJ, there aren't many teams that have been able to say, hey, we've beaten Patrick Mahomes. Brady's done it a couple of times. Your team with Burrow was able to do it. You down big in that game. What was it about that game that allowed you guys to have success? Because you guys were getting smoked early on, and something changed and something shifted. It was one of the most stunning comebacks I've ever seen in a playoff game. What do you remember about that AFC title game from a few years yeah, ago? I remember, uh, I mean, I remember Eli Apple. Um, I mean, they, they opted to to go for it instead of kicking a field goal um, going into the half. And um, Eli made a, an unbelievable play against Tyreek. And um, that really gave us momentum going into the next half, right? And, and um, I think, man, I, I don't know. I think, you know, especially not just them, but, but you know, once, you, once you're at this point of the season, um, it really comes down to all three phases, winning field position and just someone making the play. And, and that's what happened, you know, with, with, with Eli and him making that play, us going into half and, um, people getting riled up and, you know, that fire being lit, you know, under everyone's ass and <laughs> coming out, coming out hot that second half. And yeah, that's, you know, you can, you can, you can preach, well, we have to be fundamentally sound. We have to be able to execute this and that, but really it does come down to, you know, guys making plays and, and, and showing up big and, um, you know, the off schedule plays on offense, defense, just, you know, making a, making an interception, whatever, whatever the case is, getting a turnover, making that big third down conversion or that big third down stop. Um, you know, it, special teams, it, it, it's, it's a team effort, like through and through once you get this deep and, um, you know, the other two aside with, with field position and, and all three phases, someone has to just be out there just balling and making a play. And you guys had that. Uh, you had a couple of big plays on defense. Then your quarterback gets cooking in the second half. And it, it helps, CJ, at the end of these games when you got a kicker who's ice cold. And McPherson, that playoff run, it was like he was automatic, man, from like 50, from 55. So, you know, maybe that's Justin Tucker for the Ravens. Maybe that's Bucker for the Chiefs. I can't wait to watch this game. It's going to be fantastic with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Okay. Bengals, we talked about this last week. You were part of a team, a lot of tortured history. You finally break through. Lions, 
Kind of similar vibe, kind of similar feel. They've won two playoff games. Now they're getting ready for San Francisco. I think they're live in the game for sure. You notice any similarities with this Lion team to that Bengal team from a few years ago or not really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not really. I, I, I do, you know, they, they are playing with some swagger for sure. And, and um, you know, if, if anything's comparable, you could just say like the juice that they have is, is um, comparable. Um, just because they're they're they are, uh, you know, I, I think you look at the sidelines and um, you see a team that has their offense on the field and the defense is just yelling, you know, supporting, going crazy, whatever the case is. Same thing, vice versa. Defense on the field, offense yelling, going crazy. Like that juice is is what I'm talking about that you see. Um, but outside of that, man, I, I don't know. It's it is it is very different. Um, I mean, I, I, again, just being a part of it and, and looking outside, outside looking in, uh, it, it seems different. Um, not in a good or bad way, just just a little different, you know. I so, understand uh, that because you're not a yeah. part of the team, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so in comparing, I'm, I wouldn't really compare, but I, I do see, I do see a bunch of um, a bunch of dogs out there, man. They, they are flying around the ball. They have that swagger. They they have that, you know, that kind of chip on their shoulder that. You know, we're going to go out here. We're going to do whatever it takes to to get the job done. We're going to scrap. We're going to fight. We're going to claw. Um, like their coach said, biting people's kneecaps off and stuff. I mean, you you see that. You see that in their team. And so, um, I think that team is a you know is a reflection of the coach and and what he's instilled in them. And man, yeah, they're they're a fun group to watch. So that's not cliche, right? We hear it all the time. The idea of a team taking on the personality of its head coach. And once again, tight end. I I guess that's the theme of this, this week, CJ, just give a love to the position that you play. Dan Campbell, former tight end, the former tight ends coach. And he's no bullshit, man. Like just, I feel like who he is as far as cracking skulls and giving you that rah-rah type stuff. It seems sincere. Do you believe in that narrative that like a team, if they're going well, can really take on the sort of personality of a head coach or is that overblown? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it depends. I think, um, you see it more defensively just because, you know, like you said, like the crack in the skulls or maybe, maybe even like the big ugly, right? Like the, 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 the box and, and seeing the offensive line and the defensive line and the tight ends, um, the way they get after it, um, but I think, you know, I think skill position wise, I think that allows, I, I think having a coach who, who has a precedent and, um, you know, it, it allows the skill position guys to have a little more fun and to bring out their personalities a little bit more and um, just be who they are. Because you see Amra saying, I mean, once he's in the end zone, he's dancing, he's having a good time, like same with all the other skill position guys. So, um, yeah, but I, I do believe that, that, you know, certain aspects and certain parts of the team can surely embody a coach and, and how he presents himself and, and, you know, kind of what he stands for. We're going to be in Vegas in a couple of weeks. Who's playing in the Super Bowl, CJ? Oh, uh, man. Uh, who I think or who I hope? <laughs> uh, both, actually. Uh, you yeah, can put your I, analyst I, you know, cap on and then you can put your fan cap on. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, um, for my girl's sake, I hope that Sam Fran's in there. Oh, um, she She's from California. She's from California. She's she grew up like so. Basically, you Zama fan one, Niner fan two. That's what it boils down to. Right, right, right. So like you know, they go cool, sick, and you know if they're gonna be there, you know I think um, you know in my head I'm looking at this theory, the Super Bowl theory, the logo theory. Right? I don't know if you've seen that or not. No, I haven't. 
oh, you should look. It's it's you know the the logo the past couple of years has been the two teams that are in the Super Bowl. Oh man! So who are the two teams that right now are a part of the logo as we so speak? Be San Fran and the Ravens, both favorites. Mm, okay, um, a little food and, for and thought. I truly, I do think I, I do want to see the Ravens in. I, I want to see a new team. <laughs> well, like, don't you think? And you know what, CJ, there's something to that. I almost think people are going to look at this game because Kansas City beat Buffalo and Mahomes. There's no way he's going to lose. There's no way he's going to be denied. I almost feel as if it's Lamar Jackson's time. He's been knocking at the door the last few years. That team has been the best team in the AFC, in my opinion, all season long. They're at home. I like Baltimore in the game. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I think Baltimore's going to win. Right? Like you said, yeah, I, I hope I hope he Kool-Aid mans into the Super Bowl. Right? Like, I hope it's, you know, I, like, like you just said, it's his time, right? Like, it's their team's time. They've been knocking on the door. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it'd be fun to see a new team, right? So, her side, I would love to see the Lions in. <laughs> so, for rooting interest, and I hope your lady's not listening, Baltimore, Detroit. But from a logic standpoint, you're going to tell me Baltimore, San Francisco? Yes, exactly. I can roll with that. And listen, hopefully we get a better game than the one on Christmas Day where the Ravens absolutely smoked the Niners. But hey, we'll worry about that in a few weeks. Final one. Your buddy out in Vegas. Hopefully I can channel that magic when I'm out in Vegas and I play around the two out there. He brings out all the offensive linemen, CJ, and he gets freaking hole-in-one after tearing his Achilles. Come on, man. It's not fair. Like, the guy the guy has enough. He hosted Jeopardy. He's won a Super Bowl. <laughs> he's got all these MVPs. He's not allowed to get hole-in-one. Come on, yeah, man. No, that that is crazy. And um, I hadn't talked to him about it. Um, I was talking to some of the offensive linemen. Um, you know, we're in rehab and stuff, and so I'm hitting them up. And um, I, it's not that I didn't believe it. I just needed to make sure, right? So, you need a validation. That's all. Listen, right. he had witnesses. You saw the picture on Instagram with all the guys. Hey, how'd this go down? Yeah, you got to ask. Yeah, so, so yeah, so it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's insane. I mean, I, I'm not like a, I'm not a heavy golfer. I'm not an avid golfer, but, you know, I've, I've, I've played my fair share of rounds and um, it's, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense after, and it does actually because it's him. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was insane. And, um, you know, I, I, I told you this earlier, but, um, Justin, I, I had the pleasure, the privilege, I guess, the pleasure of playing with, with Justin Thomas and we we're in Nashville and just a couple of years ago, but, um, you know, we we're on a part three and <clears throat> he was talking about how for, for them, if they make a hole in one, it's they're they have to stop what they're doing and go to Vegas, tell their girls like, Hey, look, sorry. Like we made a hole in one. We got to go to Vegas. We got to gamble because we're on a hot street. And just so happens they were already in Vegas. So lucky for them, right? Like they, they, they're already in the spot. That they need to go How to. convenient, you know, could exactly. be more convenient. Cause, cause when I saw that immediately, I'm like, Oh God, I gotta tell them that they gotta go to Vegas. But I'm like, they're already in Vegas. Like they're already, and, and they're already winning. They're already up. They're already doing fine. They're great. So, um, yeah, no, it was, that was insane. That was, I mean, I wish I was there. The tight ends next year, we got to make it like an O-line tight end. Yeah, you got to get on that trip. A thousand percent. You got to make that happen. Um, yeah. So you're telling me if I get a whole one at some point in my life, stop everything, get on the Delta app or whatever, book the flight, get to Vegas because I'm going to have a monster weekend or a monster time, whatever the case may be. So what I'm saying is because you're going to the Super Bowl this year, you have to make sure that you have a round or two of golf prior to going to Vegas, so that you, while you're there, you're going to be on another hot streak. Yeah. Well, 
I am going to play out there. Unfortunately, you're in New York right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out on a golf course other than a simulator with the dopey snow we have on the ground. Yeah. You know, that's, no. that's, that's, <laughs> we're getting some warm weather this week, but I, I don't know if I'm getting the New York round in before I go to Vegas. But I go to Vegas. I get the hole in one. You're going to be the first guy I'm thinking of because I know I got to hit it big at the tables. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, final note, you buried the lead here a little bit. You golfed with Justin Thomas? Like, dude, I mean, I know you're a professional athlete. You've played in the Super Bowl. You've played in all these big games. Dude, I, I'd be beyond nervous. Were you, like, worried about, like, oh, what, how am I going to play? Like, oh, no, you know, like, I don't all. give a shit. I'm, an, no, I'm a football no, no, player. No. <laughs> I'd be all. nervous. I, well, I mean, and, and, you know, a couple of years ago, too, I wasn't even, I wasn't near as, I'm not good. But I wasn't near. Well, that makes that makes two of us, by the way. That right. makes two well, of us. Just I wasn't saying. near the skill level, I guess that that I am now. So um, I was just letting him know, like, hey, this this could be just terrible. And we were, he was like, dude, I don't care. Like, we're just here for a good time. We're hanging out, and um, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. He's he's uh, he wouldn't bring his putter. He's like, I'm not bringing my putter to the green. So you got to like, you got to make you make it. I don't know. What to nice. Tell you. I'm like, All right, it's sick. Yeah. So it was fun. It was it was a good time. And he's like Mickelson, now that he's on live. That's my favorite guy on the tour, Justin Thomas. I love his game. I love them. So he lived up to the billing. Good dude. And he's, yeah, no, great dude. And he's been playing well. The, the past couple of tournaments, he's, the past couple of tournaments he's been in, he's, he's been playing well. I, I keep up with golf as much as I can. And I was going to say, I'm impressed with the knowledge. Although yeah. I, am surpri- I am surprised. As a Auburn guy and a Bama guy, you guys oh, yeah, are able no, to find yeah, common ground and break some bread. I'm surprised. We definitely talk shit, but he's he's a he's a Cincinnati fan. He's a Bengals fan, so that's that's where the connection came. And we still talk we still talk shit. Like I have to, um, but yeah, no, he's 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 a great dude. Even though he went to Bama, he's a great dude. CJ, thanks for a few minutes, dude. Enjoy. Uh, hope to see you out in Vegas in a few weeks, man. So uh, yeah, I, I know you rehab, and I was going to say, you might have to bring the sticks, try to get Aaron out there again. See you hey, get I a little know. encore. It, it is in February, and so I'll be able to walk by then. So um, we'll see what the rehab people say, but you know, I, I, might, I might have to. Mm, intriguing. All right, buddy. Enjoy the games this weekend. Take care, all right? All right, thank you. You too. Love getting that player perspective. And I'd love to get Uzama out on the links. We'll have to we'll have to see about that. I mean, he'd probably rather play with Rodgers. But, you know, if he wants to, you know, feel better about his golf game, then maybe hang with me for three, three and a half hours. And I, I have to plot where I'm going to be playing out there. You know, obviously, I have an insane work schedule. But the Tuesday when I get out, and I'm staying for the weekend. So that's Saturday. Like, that's going to be the perfect Saturday Worked my ass off, radio row, 10 zillion interviews, TV shows, the whole deal. That Saturday has uh, 18 holes and uh, a couple of cocktails written all over it. All right, Jeff Bunny. Wednesday, will you be playing St. John's Villanova? Curious. Let's hear it. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap. I pissed with you for Wednesday the 24th. I got two plays in college basketball. So, uh, my first game, I'm going to go with Georgia. Minus the three and a half over LSU. And in game number two, I'm going to take Virginia minus the four and a half over NC State. Again, two plays in college basketball. We're going to go with Georgia minus the three and a half and Virginia minus the four and a half. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Best of luck. Uh, Neither play worked out well for us on Monday. Wake Forest went down in flames in the second half. 
Uh, and Kansas couldn't deal, uh, seal the deal, covering a big number against Cincinnati. Very weird, by the way, talking about Cincinnati and Houston being a part of the Big 12. Uh, that is just a, a mind you know what in a couple of different ways. Now, I'm looking at the college card now. I'll tell you one I'm going to be betting. System play. Alabama laying points against the top 10 Auburn team. That has system play written all over it. I will 1,000% be on Alabama. Johnny's reeling. A couple of losses in a row here. Hosting Villanova. Line's gone from two and a half to three and a half. Kind of like St. John's here. Tell me St. John's going to lose another game at home. I think Patino will have the boys ready to play. I'm going to roll with the Johnnies. I'll be into that game tomorrow night at 830. That's perfect timing for me. That is beautiful, Big East scheduling at its finest. And you got Seton Hall laying the four and a half against Providence in the 630 game. See, I worry about Seton Hall in this spot after that triple overtime game. Kind of think there's some value. I know the lines jump from three to four and a half, but I kind of like Providence there grabbing the points. I haven't decided if I'm playing that one, but I definitely will be on Alabama and I'm leaning towards taking St. John's tomorrow. So that's going to do it. We'll be back on Thursday. Football Friday show. Second to last football Friday of this season. Hard to believe. Went two and two in the divisional round. We'll see what Championship Sunday has in store. I know Beningo and I are going to be heads up in one of the games. I know I'm betting one of these games for sure. The other game, I'm kind of on the fence. We'll see how I uh, proceed between now and Thursday, but one of these games I've already bet. That's all I'll tell you. And you'll find out the rest on Thursday. Good job by Stefan. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday. Warmer weather on the horizon. Hallelujah for that. Uh, and we will chat. JJ out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9 with in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.